Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's not the 150th Psalm, so we're in good shape. Well, we're in better shape. We're in better shape. And uh, I may not read it verse by verse, but I, I am going to read most of the chapter a little by a little here because there are just so many wonderful treasures. And um, so if you don't mind, I want to thank you for coming this evening, but I'm just going to preach to myself. And uh, if you can get, if there's any flesh on, any meat on the bone when I'm done for yourself, you feel free to take that home. Amen. But I just want to speak the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the unbendable, unyielding power and truth of your word. It is our hope. It is our strength. God, what you have said, you are going to accomplish. What you have promised, you will fulfill. And so today, God, as we consider the power of your word and the strength of it tonight, I pray that you will allow, I pray that you'll allow it, Lord, to just settle in our heart and help us to dismiss everything that we possibly can from our pressing schedules and let your word saturate into our heart and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's something about, I'm thankful for the microwave. It's been a real blessing. And uh, I was very young, believe it or not, when the microwave came out. But I, I can remember when there wasn't one. And I'm thankful for that. But there's nothing like simmering. And so I don't want to zap some word on you tonight. I want us to just simmer a little bit of the word in our heart. And you can be seated. Thank you for your uh, attentive uh, spirit and connecting to the presence of the Lord tonight. I think one universal thing that we can all relate to is the fact that we all, young or old, male or female, face various circumstances in our lives. And, um, you know, I know that's a big, big, big blanket statement. But at this very moment in time, I would venture to say that almost everyone, if not everyone, is in some sort of situation. You're just facing something. Maybe an air of uncertainty. It, it, it may be somewhat minor. It could be critical. But all of us are facing circumstances in our life. And, and if there's just one single thing that I could drive home tonight and countersink in our heart, it would be this. Regardless of what we face and I do not say that with a spirit of indifference that whatever you're going through is minimal compared to what I'm going through or what others are going through I say that with great deference to whatever it is that you may be facing regardless of what we face 
God is greater. Amen. I want to be real clear tonight. I, I want you to connect, and I, and I will welcome every amen and hallelujah. But I'm not here to try to rally you to some emotional pinnacle. I want to talk to you from the raw word of God. That whatever we face, we serve a God that is greater. That can seem so fundamental, so basic. But if we consider the passage before us in context, then we can see that what we are facing today truly in many respects doesn't differ from what we're going to find in, in Isaiah 40 because mankind has always walked the same path. Job said, man is a few days and full of trouble. One writer said uh, that in this world you, you will, you shall, you absolutely will have tribulation. There will be things that we go through, situations, and you know, if we're going through something that's kind of a bad day or a bad start to your day or a bad morning or even a bad day or a bad few days, that just seems to pale in comparison to going through bad seasons of your life. Now, I'm not here to paint anybody's world gray by any stretch, but I'm just going to tell you that wherever you, if you're facing just a bad morning or a bad day or a bad week or you're just in a season of uncertainty, God is greater. God is greater. Now, in the first 11 verses of Isaiah 40, we see the children of Israel, they have been in, uh, God's people have been in Babylonian captivity. And uh, so as we first look at the, or as we look at the first few verses of chapter 40, we can see that the children of Israel are just sort of looking back uh, on what God has done in their lives. And there is absolutely nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, reflection is a wonderful thing. You can look back in your life, but when you look back in your life, you don't just see the blessings of God, but sometimes we even see the failures of our own lives. And to be sure, that's what the children of Israel were doing. And, and as they looked back and they saw some uh, times when they turned left, when they should have turned right, and when they saw the times and seasons of their life, because they are coming out of captivity, they've been in Babylon for quite some time, and they realized that that was due to the error of their own judgment and uh, their own misjudgments or their own decisions. And so they were in a place where they really needed to be encouraged. And in that moment when they needed to be encouraged, they did not find a God that folded his arms and said, well, you should have thought about that before you made that decision. They didn't find a God that was now wanting to just continue to twist the knife or a God that wanted to continue to hold them over the fire. But as a matter of fact, the caption, I have the particular Bible that I use for preaching is a Nelson Bible and there are just headings over every few scriptures that talks about maybe what those passages are going to say. And so Isaiah 40, above verse 1, it says, Comfort my people. <laughs> Comfort my people. And so this is what we're going to find. We're going to find comfort my people. And so there's a distinct message. I think when we read down through these scriptures, I hope if I can to clarify a few things 
there are some distinct messages within the message and I think that we can find if we could capture them maybe to give them a title they would be messages of hope all of them are unique in their own way but I think at the end of the day we can be, be safe to just kind of push them under the umbrella of hope so the first thing that we find or the first message of Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2 is going to be a message of forgiveness now I think sometimes that when people have been serving the Lord a long time and we think about forgiveness, we've been so far down the road, if we're not careful, we can forget what it was like to feel the weight of sin. And uh, I don't ever want to get too far away from that, that I lose sight or lose that feeling. But uh, just not even to think about forgiveness on that level, but many times in life we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. We need somebody to extend mercy and and, and graced in our lives. And so Isaiah 41, 40 and 1, the Bible says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And so God is speaking to Isaiah, and he is saying, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sin. <laughs> Amen. I believe you're on board with me now. Isaiah, tell my people something. I mean, they're battered and bruised and they're disillusioned by what they have just encountered. But he said, I want you to speak comfortably to them and you cry unto them. And there's two things. This nation that had sinned against God their history read of things or reads of things like idolatry and injustice and immorality and, and I promise you the list could go on and on. But nevertheless, they were still God's people and he loved them. Amen. And the Bible says of charity or love that it covereth a multitude of sin. It doesn't excuse sin, but it covereth a multitude of sin. And so though God would chasten them or chastise them, he would not forsake them. And so he says to Isaiah, he says, speak comfortably. And that means to speak from your heart. Speak comfortably to them. And then he said, tell them two things. That the warfare, he said, speak comfortably to them and uh, tell her that the warfare is accomplished and that their iniquity is pardoned. That the warfare is accomplished. I, we can get a little bit lost in the language there, but it just really means this, that your severe trial is over. <laughs> Amen. Your severe trial is over. I don't know about you, but I've been on a doctor's, in a doctor's office and on the table when I was thankful they said, we're done. I've been in a dentist chair. When I was thankful they said, I believe that's got it. Oh, those were pretty refreshing words. And please don't tell the dentist that because some of you have taken little messages to her <laughs> and illustrations that I've used in times past. And when they get me good numbed up and upside down, they ask me if I got anything else that I'd like to say about them. That really happened. I never did figure out who took that little message in there. But they wait until they had me in the right position mouthful of cotton you got anything else you want to say but I've been in those positions when I was glad to hear that the warfare is accomplished you have 
passed the test. And I, I think maybe there are some exceptions to this, but there, everybody has, a, I would think, a little measure of test anxiety. And uh, it's a good, good thing whenever you realize that you've passed the test. Amen? You've passed the test. I, the second message was, the first message is hope. The, uh, uh, the, the first message here was a message of forgiveness. The second one was a message uh, of God saying to them and reminding them that I am your provider and I, I want to speed up here just a little bit. In, in verse number three, the Bible says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Listen, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I'm going to make a way. I, I am going to make a way. He said, every valley, every low spot, I'm going to bleed, I'm going to bring that up to level. And every mountain, I'm going to push that down to level. And every place that's rough, I'm just going to smooth that out. I can make a way. I am greater than the situation that you are facing. I am greater than the circumstance that is staring at you. Amen. They, uh, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Don't ever discount what the mouth of the Lord has said. Now he was saying, you, you, you may have some rough roads ahead of you because they're coming back. They're coming back to Jerusalem. They're going back to their home. They're going to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple and it's, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to have a, a magic wand, so to speak, and forgive that reference, but you're not going to have a magic wand to just wave over this situation and fix all of your ills. You've got a long road ahead of you, but when you return, he said, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to go with you and I'll make crooked places straight. I will take care of this. The word picture I think that we have here uh, one commentator, I, I thought this was interesting that, that the word picture that they drew was that of an ambassador that was preparing the way for the, for the coming of a king. Uh, they're getting debris out of the road. They are, they're telling all the townspeople, move back. We've got something coming in. And she said, you, you may have a long journey back, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this possible now, I think the ultimate fulfillment of this passage of Scripture is certainly found in the ministry of John the Baptist in the book of Matthew. This madman voice comes out of the wilderness breaking centuries of silence saying, prepare you the way of the Lord. Amen. There is one who is coming after me. I, I'm going to just be able to baptize you or have been able to only baptize you under repentance, but there is one coming. Amen. John the Baptist was an ambassador. He was going before Jesus Christ, making the way, preparing the way, and preparing the hearts of the people. Amen. It was he that prepared for the ministry of Jesus. And so the road may not always be easy to get from where we are to where we need to be. But I promise you that it will be easier knowing that I have the promise of his presence, that he will be there with me. 
Now, I'm not just talking about a good, good Sunday morning feeling. Amen, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not just talking about a good feeling at camp meeting and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the steady hand of God that will hold us and keep us and preserve us and take us from here to there. His presence shall be with us. In the third message of hope, he made them a promise. In verse number six, he said, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. Verse seven says, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. <clears throat> that that you thought was unshakable, that that you thought was forever in bloom, that that you thought was forever alive, he said it will just take uh, just a little bit and I can blow against that and I can turn that and I can change that but there is something that will not change and that is the unbending word of God. What he said, he meant. Amen. You ever, you ever met anybody that really meant what they said? You can really have an appreciation for that. I didn't mean that in a negative way, but you can really have an appreciation when someone really gives you their word and they're a person of their word. They're a person of high moral standards and conduct and, and what they say, you can just count on that. You can take that to the bank as they say. The word of God, it shall stand forever. And so as they began their journey home, he was telling them, you can depend on my promises. I said, I will make the valleys rise and I will make the mountains flat. And so when you get to the valley, you just hang on. I'm going to be with you in the valley. And when you think you can't climb the mountain, you just hold on. I'll be there with you to see you to its highest crest. And when you think you can't take another bend in the road, I'm going to be with you and it'll be as though the crooked places were made straight. Hallelujah. I'm not... I am not suggesting, nor do I think the word of God is suggesting here that he literally raised the valley flat, literally flattened every mountain to, the, to its level, or that he truly took every path and just made it straight. But I believe God was saying, I'm going to give you strength that the valley's not going to seem like a valley, and the mountain's not going to seem like a mountain, and the crooked places is not going to seem like a crooked place. In Isaiah 45, he said, I'll tear down gates of brass and tear down gates of iron. I don't envision God's people standing and they're shaking those gates, hollering and screaming for help. But I believe that when it was time for those dates, those gates to open, they open. Not a minute before, not a minute later. Amen. I believe that God is saying what you need, when you need it, go ahead and write the check. It will be there. It will be there. It will be there. Amen. Amen. So God was saying, you can count on me. You can count on me. The fourth and final message of this message of hope was a spirit of peace in Isaiah 40 and 9 he said O Zion that bringest good tidings get thee up into the high, into the high mountain O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings lift up thy voice with strength lift it up be not afraid say unto the cities of Judah behold your God behold the Lord God will come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule him. Behold, his reward is with him, his work before him. 
He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. <laughs> you're, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. As they ascend from the valley to the mountaintop, God was saying, I want you to tell your enemy, just declare to your enemy the victory over them. He said, O Zion, that bring us good tidings. He meant, I want you to bring good tidings. He said, I want you to preach the good news, in other words. I want you to preach the gospel. And the good news in the day of Jerusalem and the day of this setting was that God had set the captives free and they were no longer in Babylon. Amen. Now, we are not literally in, we're not literally in Babylon, but I believe the good news that we have today is to tell the world that Jesus Christ has set us free. Amen. I know we can look around tonight and everybody looks real nice and got your, your, your hair all combed and your best smile on. And amen. And so we think everything is all right. But I'm going to tell you today, there's some real testimonies that are sitting right here in this house. If you could only see underneath the blood, thank God that we can't. But if you could only see beyond the veil and just see where the Lord has brought all of us in this holy house. Amen. We could say, amen, the Lord has been mighty good to me. Amen. He's brought me a long, long, long way. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight, we wouldn't have to look down, down the road very far to realize that God has been mighty good. And he's brought us in just a measure of time. He has done such a work in our life. We didn't think just a year ago that we could be where we are today or five years ago where we are today or 10 years ago where we are today. He said, Zion, bring some good tidings. Amen. Tell the world what the Lord has done for you. Shout it everywhere you go. Amen. God has been so good. He said, Behold, the Lord will come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. God's arm mighty in battle and it is going to win. There is, there is no doubt that we are relying on God's strong arm to help us face some of the battles. Amen. I think tonight that we're, and I appreciate the spirit that I feel in my heart that we are being real Amen. We are fighting battles. We are facing things. All of us. We can talk about that individually or we can talk about that as a family or we can even talk about that as a congregation. But when we look at the strong arm of God, we see, amen, something very, very significant that God is able. Amen. His voice is resounding. His arm was strong enough to rule, but it was also gentle enough to carry a weary lamb. I'm thankful for that. You ever met people that don't know their own strength and they shake your hand and just bring you to your knees like it's a contest? He's not that way. He could be. He is strong enough to rule, but with that same arm, he's gentle enough to reach down and nurture a lamb. Amen. The Bible says that he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. There's something to be said about that. He shall gather lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. That's the same God that's powerful enough to rule. And this was their view as they considered where they had been. But when we begin at verse number 12, they start, what starts coming into view in, in scripture, and I want to try to underline here tonight, is that they were really trying now to look at where they were. They're assessing the 
here and now. It's one thing to look at where you've been, but now we've got to see where we are. Now, where they were in this particular time, they were nowhere near the mass of people that they had been. They were very few in number, as a matter of fact. The Bible refers to them as a remnant. Amen. Just a, a remnant, just a, a leftover. It was just seed for another crop. And they were facing a long and a very difficult journey. What they were facing would be enough to give them the impression that the false gods of the Gentiles were stronger than the God of Israel because they were, they were few in number. And yet God is making all these bold promises. And when you're looking at where you are and what God is saying and you look around you sometimes, you can, you can think two and two is not four here. Amen. And so Isaiah reminded them of the greatness of their God. And, and as he began to remind them the greatness of their God, something in their heart changed. And that's what happens to us. When we are reminded of the greatness of our God, something in our heart changes. We read the word of the Lord or sometimes we're singing a song and, and a lot of songs, of course, have their genesis from the, in the word of God. And so uh, a lot of the song, even the lyrics are, are in many cases the actual word of the Lord, but if not, it's based on the word of God. And so when we're reading the word of God or singing the word of God, those words begin to underline the greatness of God. Wow. Something starts changing the atmosphere of our mind and our heart. When you behold the greatness of God, then you start seeing everything else in its proper perspective. Now, you know, Asaph in the 73rd Psalm, Asaph, um, the, the Bible says uh, such a transparent <clears throat> moment. He said, my feet well and I slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and, and um, so he just kind of kind of pulls back the curtain let's just let's just, just see the rawness of his heart and spirit and he, and he said and we've all been there that's the truth and then he said until I understood their end until I went in the house of God and I began to see the greatness of my God something changed and, and perspective is a wonderful thing and um so I want us to consider the, the following scriptures and as we pass by them, I want us to get a true glimpse of the power and the majesty of God. Amen. I, I just want to say tonight one more time, we're serving a God that is greater. God is greater than anything in heaven or anything on earth. Creation shows his wisdom and power. Creation shows his vastness. He is greater than nations. He is greater than their gods. He is he founded the earth and he sits on the throne of heaven. And all of this you can find right here in this 40th chapter, but you can find it all over, all over the word of God. Nothing to equal our God. Amen. Certainly nothing greater than our God. And so I want to begin at verse number 12 and I'm just going to ask you to be patient here. Um, for the sake of clarity, I want to read this from a version of the, of the Bible that I commonly study out of. I don't normally preach out of it, but... I like to study just for clarification's sake sometimes these scriptures. And, and I was, as I was reading them in this particular version, I just felt like I wanted to share it tonight in that. And uh, so you may not have this Bible, but if you can just follow along on the screens, it's from the English Standard Version. 
I'm going to read verses 12 through 26. And if you're reading in the King James Version, you're going to see that nothing has been altered here, but just for the sake of clarity. The Bible says in verse number 12, who has, do we have that in the, we did get that. Yes, we do have that. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that. All right. And, and, and who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with a span? Amen. Who's, who's measured the water in the hollow of his hand? Or who with just the span of his hand created the heavens? Who enclosed the dust of the earth with a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? I know many of us like to go to the mountains. And for many, many years, we all went to the Smoky Mountains. That was as far as we had ever been. But a couple of years ago, my wife and I went out west, and we were introduced to some real mountains. I still love the Smoky Mountains, but to be able to see the vastness and just, just think, if you're a mind to one day in heaven, you can ask the Lord, how much is that mountain weigh? I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. But he knows, Brother Jack. He knows how much the mountain weighs. And he can measure the hills, the vastness of our God. Who has measured, verse 13, the spirit of the Lord or, or what man shows him counsel? Who tells the Lord what to do? Whom did he consult and, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Verse number 15, I'm going to come back to this in a little bit, but he said, behold, the nations, the nations are like a drop of, they're like a drop from a bucket and are as accounted as dust on the scales. Amen. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. That's the God we're serving. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor its beast enough for a burnt offering. All of Lebanon couldn't supply enough fuel, nor could every beast of Lebanon be enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing, less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or, or, or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman, he said. And if we're looking at an idol, think about that. He said a craftsman cast it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and in its inhabitants are like 
grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He just stretches out the heavens as a curtain and he spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely, he said, are they planted? Scarcely, are sown? Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Don't mess with God. Amen. We see horrific storms, certainly being in this part of our nation. We see horrific storms and we watch as the winds blow and we see the aftermath, the pictures sometimes in real life. We see somewhat the aftermath, but we see the pictures in real life of two by fours that are blown completely through trees. <laughs> wow. Wow. Amen. You, you find things that, that, uh, that are picked up by the storms and the winds and they are moved sometimes miles and miles and miles away. He said, scarcely are they planted. Scarcely are they stones. Scarcely do the stem take root in the earth and all I will have to do is blow on them and they will wither away. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. He said, who brings out their host? That word host means stars. Who brings out their, their stars by number, calling, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power. Not one is missing. We think God is going to lose something and God is not in control. God's named the stars and he, nothing is going to go missing. Nothing is out of place. Amen. We can sometimes think and, I, and appreciate our, our not really wanting to admit this publicly tonight, but we are often or at least at times in our lives, we have wondered if God is going to be able to handle this situation we're, we're up against. Amen. But when you think about verses like verse number 15 that says the nations are like a drop out of a bucket are considered a small dust or in verse number 22 when it says the inhabitants of the earth earth are like grasshoppers. The next time you wonder if God is able, we need to remember drops of bucket and we need to remember grasshoppers on the ground. Amen. However, if you ever feel that you are so small and, and, and so insignificant, how would a God that knows all of these things that I'm teaching about tonight, how would he know us? I mean, if he knows all these other things, how would he know us? We're not nearly as significant as a star, amen. But the Bible says that he knows when a sparrow falls. And John 3 says he calleth his own sheep by name. And John 20, 10, 27 says that his sheep hear his voice and he knows them, amen. And according to Psalms 147, verses 3 and 4, David said the same God who numbers and names the stars can heal our broken heart. <laughs> the God who's named and numbered stars, can I tell you, has visited us here tonight in this service. Amen. 
Amen. I just feel in the Holy Ghost to tell you that the same God that I'm talking about, the same God that Isaiah has written about has visited you in your home, in your time of need. And maybe it was just a time of prayer. You felt the presence of the Lord. You may have felt him today in your automobile riding down the road or on your job. Amen. The same God that just kind of wistfully passed by and reminded you of his presence is the same God that can make his arm bear and take and destroy nations or pick up the wounded and pull them to his bosom. It's that same God. Amen. Now we have considered the circumstances behind and then where they were but there are some things that that we just have to consider introspectively to see where we are here and now. Amen. We've got to look inside. Isaiah 40 and 27 the Bible says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Verse 28, it starts getting familiar now. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth, he giveth power to the faint. Anybody here say amen to that? giveth power to the faint when you didn't think you could go another minute when you thought you were at the absolute end of the end and it wasn't always by some lightning zap out of heaven where you just felt woo glory to God but, but just all of a sudden there was just strength that just came when you didn't think you could move another muscle or go another mile. Amen. God said, I'm going to help make this crooked place straight. And I'm going to help bring this mountain low. And I'm going to help rise this valley up just a little bit. When you think you can't just move another mile down the road, God said, I will be there with you. You may not have even been able to have perceived that 30 seconds before it happened or three minutes before it happened. But the hand of God God just moved in. You know why? Because Not because we're all this and that and a bag of chips, but because his word is unbending and his word is unyielding. Amen. Israel had messed up and they were in Babylonian captivity for a long time, but the Lord said, Isaiah, comfort them and you tell them that it's over. Their, birth, their battle is over. Their, their warfare has ended and God is going to be their strength. He said he gives power to the faint and them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles and they shall run they shall mount up as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. So instead of praising the Lord they thought that maybe he didn't know their situation or maybe he didn't really have any concern about their their plight. They could only see what was before them and and, and, and they assumed that God was just asking them to, to do the impossible. We've all quoted that passage of Scripture as well as mused over that passage of Scripture that he'll not put more on us than we can bear. And sometimes we've just tried to laugh our way through the night by saying, he sure must think a lot of me. True. I must be a favorite child. He must know something about me that I don't know. 
We said that jokingly because what we really wanted to do was say, Lord, can we talk about this? Brother Williams, this is the truth. We, we were just trying to figure out a way in the back door to just say, hey, uncle. <laughs> I know everybody didn't get that. <laughs> enough, enough. I give, I give. I think more people got it than I thought would. After church, you can explain that. We just can't forget a simple truth, but it's a powerful truth. That, is everybody listening? Okay. God knows how we feel, and he also knows what we fear. <laughs> he knows how we feel, and he knows what we're afraid of. And something that we can ill afford to forget is the fact that God is able to meet every need. We can never obey God's truth or his word or hold up under that in our own strength. We could never do that. And that's why I was preaching just a, a few services ago to say that we need a revelation. You can't just inherit this and say well I'm going to carry this and I'm going to preserve this it will never happen because you can't just do it in your own strength you have to trust him to provide the strength that we are going to need Isaiah Philippians I mean Philippians 4 uh, Philippians 4:13 says I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth which strengtheneth me and so if we trust ourselves we're going to faint and fall but the Bible says but they that wait upon the Lord or receive strength for the journey. Now, I want to be clear that the word wait here does not suggest that we sit around and do nothing. What are you doing? I'm just waiting on the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. It really means to hope. They that hope in the Lord, they that look to him for all that we need. Isaiah, the Bible says this in Isaiah 26 and 3 to sort of try to support what I just said. The Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Amen. So he, he'll keep us. He will keep us. I'm trying to be real specific with my scriptures tonight if I can share something with you. A few weeks ago, um, is Sydney here? Is she in the building? Okay. Um, a few weeks ago, Sydney Royal was sharing something with me on her. It was just on her heart, and so I, um, I, I said, "Well, I want to give you a scripture." So we were right about here, and I walked up, and I got a little post-it note, and I just wrote a scripture from memory on the post-it note, and uh, delight thyself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of thine heart. The next service, Sydney was waiting on me after church. I could tell she was kind of lingering, and. When I got through talking, and I said, what can I do for you, babe? She said, uh, you know that scripture you gave me the other night? I said, mm-hmm. She said, it was wrong. <laughs> it was wrong. I said, really? It was wrong. I said, how was it, how was it wrong? And she said, uh, you, you, you wrote that he will give you the desires of your heart. It, in, in the scriptures, he'll give you the desires of thine heart. <laughs> I said, well, 
pastor's got to shape up with these Bible quizzes around here. <laughs> you start throwing a few paraphrases down. I've got a long line after church. I got <laughs> a little bit of collateral damage I got to fix after church. All right, enough is enough. The word renew means to exchange. I'm going to give you this for that. God enables us to soar when there's a crisis. And, and I, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I will, I will close with this. I'm not really sure how to close here, but I'll just close with this. And I, I, I just really feel like it, I want to preface a couple of illustrations here by, by really making sure that you understand that I am not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that we just sort of meander our way along. I, I don't want to imply that at all. I don't want to. I want to sound negative or cynical against reaching out and stretching ourselves beyond what we may feel as a comfort zone for us individually or collectively. So, are we good? There was an elderly missionary that was quoted as having once said, "It was very." a very successful missionary. He said, I, I can plod. Anybody kind of know what that means? I can plod. I can plod. He said, that's my genius. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. And he said, because of that, to this, I owe everything. Those two things. I owe everything because I can plod and I can persevere when there is a definite pursuit. When there is something before me, Paul said he's just going to fix himself on something. He's going to press towards something. So this missionary can't you just can't you just see all the reporters and the, all the cameras and, and we want to know the secret to your success and tell us how you did this and sign my bible and I want you to autograph your book how did you do that he said my genius is that I, I know how to plod I just know how to trust God when there is a definite pursuit and there we know where we're going I just know how to trust the Lord to just keep walking and holding his hand. And as the old proverb says, not, not proverbs, but the old saying that says a journey of a thousand miles, it begins with one step and you just have to take that step and then another and then another and then another and then another. The greatest heroes of faith are not always those that, that every time you see them, they're just soaring here and they're just soaring over there. It's often those who are just patiently plotting and, 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 and they learn how to wait on the Lord and, the, and through that, the Lord enabled them to fly higher and really run faster. But in truth, they just learn how to walk longer. What a great illustration Sister Amanda gave us a few services ago. Blessed are the plotters for they eventually arrive at their destination. Now, my, my second and final illustration for those who may be on the edge here. Please don't misunderstand me. But some years ago, a pastor friend of mine and, and I were talking, and, and I do believe I have shared this once before. 
And, and while others may, may be able to boast of, of doing a lot of things, maybe their, their history is littered with a lot of success stories. He wasn't trying to excuse by any stretch of the imagination he, he being in neutral or anything. But in his own unique way, he said, well, I may not have done this or I may not have done that. And he said, but I'll tell you what I have done. My wife and I came to such and such city and he named how many years ago and it had been decades. And he said, and we stayed. And we prayed for the sick. And we encouraged the discouraged. And we just kept teaching and we just kept preaching. What he was really saying is we just plotted. Because we knew that whatever we faced, we served a God that was greater. And can I tell you that it is not always ecstasy. Some of you miss a wonderful opportunity to just run the aisles right there. It's not always. You, you, the Holy Ghost is not a fix-all, end-all, cure-all, and you're never going to have another light bill. You're never going to have another no ache or pain. No, no, no. But you see, this friend of mine went on to say weeks turned to months and months to years. We just stayed. But you see, the truth of it is he was much too humble to boast about the tremendous church that God has really helped them to establish because he just said, I'm serving a God that's greater than anything we faced. And I, I'm not trying to belabor the issue, but my wife and I through the years have just marveled at what the Lord has helped them to do. And then some years ago, we went out to eat with them and they started talking about some of the earlier years of their, of their ministry and, and when they were planting the church. And I'm going to tell you, we were just floored at some of the things they had walked through. Some of the deep valleys that, you know, you can't pick up on all that. You just meet somebody in the aisle at camp meeting. Man, I just, I just, he's just the kind of guy that just looks like when he pulls the shirt out of the dryer, it's already pressed. They don't even own an iron. Why? Because they live in Perfectville. And then all of a sudden we just realized some dark days and seasons that they had been through. But they were serving a God that was greater. Amen. You've been so kind. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands and just love the Lord. There's a sweet spirit. Amen. I feel there is a confirming power of the presence of God here. So I don't want you to just hasten to a dismissal in your mind. But I believe the Lord wants to confirm the word tonight, right now, right here in this place. Amen. We can do it with your standing, right where you're standing. We can... We can have God just move in this house and, and confirm some things in your spirit that you are not alone. In his vast ability, he stretches the heavens as though they were a curtain. He names the stars as though they were his best friend. He weighs the mountains and he knows the depth and the breadth of the hill. He knows the balance of them all. We're serving a God who is greater. We're serving a God who is greater. Thank you, Jesus. Would you, if it is appropriate, would you just take somebody by the hand where you are standing? And I want us to not pray for us. Let's pray for our friends tonight. God, I'm asking you to touch my, 
my neighbor. It may be your companion. It may be a friend. I'm asking you to touch them tonight, God. You may not personally know the valley that they're walking. You may not personally know the path that they are on right now. You may not know the weight of what they bear in their heart and their soul. This very moment, this very night, but you see, God does. And so I pray tonight for my friends. I pray tonight for my brother. I pray for my sister in the Holy Ghost, God. I'm asking you now to let the power of your word just be that ever-confirming voice that we need in our life. I pray, O oh Lord, in the Spirit, that you will help us, O oh God, to put our faith and our trust and our confidence in you. You are the yea and amen. You are the alpha, the omega. You are the bookends and the tell-all of our life. You are the all in all, and we put our trust and our confidence in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. We're serving a God who holds the water in the hollow of his hand. Amen. What a great God. What a great God. My intention this evening was not to rally us to some frenzy, but to just let this, to solidify the truth of God's word in our heart. So when you feel insignificant, just remember the drop of a bucket. <laughs> That's what he says nations are. They're just dust. God is in control. Amen. May, may the Lord bless you and, and honor you for being here and whatever effort you put forth to be here, I trust that you feel that it was equally met and, 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 and rewarded. Amen. In the Holy Ghost. Amen. May God bless you. Let's come back Sunday. Let's have a great time in the Lord in Jesus' name. Read our, read our guests, if you will. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.